Report a shot fired at officers trying to stop the vehicle. We have uh, one officer shot. We got shots fired. Sounded like an automatic firearm. Have we covered shots fired? We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter inside the fairground. And now it's Shots Fired with your hosts, TJ Kurgan and Dinah Death Milberg. Welcome to another episode of Shots Fired here on Real Talk 93.3, the voice of freedom. Once again, Sig Glock and Colt, a.k.a. TJ Kurgan. No one actually knows which one is which anymore. He's he's kind of morphed to the point where I'm not sure which one his real name is. I am not Sig Glock and Colt, however, though. I am Alex Dinah Death Milberg. I'm here with Crystal again. TJ, guys? <laughs> still out of town. So me and Crystal, we're probably just going to take over the show in general. It's just going to be us. And like, if TJ keeps going out of town, he'll just guest he'll appear guest. on it. Yeah, <laughs> but like, it'll just be us running the show. That's probably how it's going to end up going at this point. Welcome back, guys, for another episode. Uh, not a lot of news to talk about, but a lot of fresh material to go over. And uh, before we get into that, though. Few few newsworthy things to talk about. One of them, right as we walked in, uh, they've got Fox News playing here in the studio, and one of the first things that popped up is apparently a um, resort in Cancun cartel gang members were <laughs> gliding by shootings <laughs> on uh, jet skis <laughs> and opened fire on tourists in a uh, uh, resort in Cancun. And, I mean, previous to this, I don't know how much... You've studied up or watched on, uh, like, cartel activity within Mexico. It sounds like there's a major cartel war going on yet again, which I think that's, like, every week. But it's been wild over there. But typically, everything I've seen, they leave the resorts alone. You know, you don't want to go out in town. Once you get outside the resorts, <laughs> you're on your own. Yeah, you get those all-inclusive resorts. You don't have to leave, and you're pretty much good because they want that tourist money. Yeah, and they keep, you know, armed security usually, sometimes gun trucks I've heard, fences. It's it's pretty well set up. But, I mean, is this a new issue people need to worry about now? Glide-by shootings off jet skis. <laughs> uh, don't really know the motives. I haven't really heard much else. It was just one little blip pop up. That's a little frightening, though, because, you know, you go to a place like Mexico, you obviously can't bring your carry gun with you. You can't get a, a battlefield pickup over there, per se. At least, I mean, you get caught with I don't know. <laughs> I mean, with enough money, anything's possible. However, I'm pretty sure if you get caught as a U.S. citizen with a firearm in Mexico, you're going to be in a Mexican jail for a minute. Well, don't you just pay off the Mexican police? That's how it works, right? Yes, you should definitely have large trunks of cash if you're going to do that. However, what is not hard to get is one of those little trinket stores snagging up some sort of knife as fast as humanly possible. Um, that being said, though, if you have dudes shooting at you off jet skis, a knife isn't going to come in very handy unless you're going to do some, you know, SEAL team stuff, jump in the water, go under, dive down, come up behind them and take them out or something. But I would uh, I would suggest against doing that. I feel like it's best to not engage with the cartel. I don't know. Yeah, my, I, you know, a situation like that, if you find yourself in, uh, you just have really bad luck, and your best course of action is probably just to find some really solid concrete to take cover behind. You know, they were probably looking for Gavin Newsom. That would make sense. Did you hear that, about his vacation? No, what now? Uh, yet another vacation. Yeah, so uh, it was last week. He took a vacation to, I'm, I can't remember where in Mexico, he and his family, um, for about a week. Uh, it was like, I want to say it was $30,000 a night. 
at uh, the place where he was at. Uh huh. And uh, that was right after he declared a state of emergency for the state of California. Of course. <clears throat> and then, as all good leaders do, he left to go on vacation. <laughs> yes, yes, that seems to be. I mean, it's almost laughable. Like the people are actually following his rules and regulations and lockdowns and stuff. When this dude doesn't, he's like, "All right, deuces, have fun, guys. I'm going to Mexico." Yeah, well, his butt's covered because yeah. Aunt, Aunt Nancy's got his back. <laughs> hey, so what the people voted for allegedly a second time with the no, recall. I rebuke that i fully believe that was rigged no i 100 percent do because i signed so i just moved here and i was a prior california resident and i signed the recall and there were so many people so many friends of mine who are democrats who hate him yeah he does he hasn't done anything the the part that stood out to me that where they screwed up on to blatantly show it was rigged was he's hated enough that they got a recall on it. However, he somehow not only was fine, but got more votes than he got in the election. How do you get brought to a recall because you suck so bad at your job and somehow that translates into you getting more votes than you originally did? I find that slightly hard to believe. Yeah, you know, I thought it was slightly humorous that when people, so there's like a minimum number of people who have to sign the petition in order yeah. for the recall to be even know, a o- thing. official and there were i, I want to say is somewhere near a million votes and they got more than that or maybe it was a million 1.5 they got more than that way more than that yeah which is when you consider how many people actually vote and actually pay attention to politics like that's that's a pretty pretty good number especially in a state that has so many liberal cities you know yeah anyway <laughs> and from what i hear too california is a lot like illinois where it's Southern California, Rinser for the rest of the state. You go into Central or Northern California, it actually can get pretty conservative, but it's L.A., Orange County, San Diego that kind of ruins yeah. it for the well, rest of the no, state. Not, not Orange County. Orange County is the probably the conservative. Really? The last bastion of <laughs> conservatives in I never would Southern have California. That. Yeah. It's, uh, although, you know, all the... All the people from the L.A. refugees are going into Orange County now because Orange County is still open. Or if you're unfamiliar, L.A. County is in Southern California and directly south of it is Orange County. Yeah. And directly south of that is San Diego County. So Orange County is right in the middle on the coast. And, um, yeah, they're they're getting a lot of quite quite the influx <laughs> of people who still want to do things without a passport. Yeah, which if you haven't been to L.A. lately, it's disgusting. I don't know why you'd want to stay in L.A. It is yeah. physically revolting how disgusting that city has gotten. It's pretty sad. I have a friend who um, <clears throat> absolutely refuses to uh, get jabbed, and she got herself a fake fake card just so she could keep keep doing business. I like it. Pretty, pretty nuts. I don't know. I feel like when you get a fake card, you're kind of playing into the system a little bit. I, I can see that. Like, I'll play by your rules, but kind of. Like, on my level. It seems like avoidance, you know? Yeah, rather than just straight up disobeying saying no. Yeah, although I did see a uh, <laughs> a uh, map recently of uh, the homicide records. Oh, actually, L.A. wasn't on there, which is really surprising. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure... Um, I'm pretty sure it's pretty high. It's just not record-breaking high in yeah. terms of crime. So this map has uh, 12 major cities that broke homicide records in 2021 and uh coming in number one is austin texas crime not crime in general homicide is up 175 percent 
That's 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 enormous. That's not a small increase. That's that's ridiculous. That's so sad. Yeah, Portland is up a hundred percent. Rochester, New York, it's up a hundred and forty-four percent. I'm wondering if the um, the statistics in Texas are up because it's so close to the border. Could be, but Austin, uh, Austin, out of all of Texas, Austin is known to be like the liberal haven of yeah. Texas. And just by going off some of the other places on that map you mentioned, there seems to be one common denominator. All of them are liberal-ran cities. What? No, that's a coincidence. That's, that's just, no, that's, that is, that could be a coincidence. That's just too odd that something with soft liberal policies on crime and low bail and letting early release, letting people out for no reason, not imprisoning them, and somehow crime goes up. It's almost, I could be wrong, it almost seems like the two are related somehow. No. But there's there's no way. I'm definitely, just being paranoid. Definitely not. But, I mean, th- again, this is why we're going to keep hammering, you know, situational awareness, staying prepared, having the right gear, having the right equipment, having the right mindset, which, you know, you can lack in the gear and equipment to have the right mindset, and that makes up for a lot. won't make up for everything, but I would say having the correct mindset and being situationally aware is 99% of what you need. The firearm, the tools, the gear, the weapon, the knife – all of that is just extra, and that's that one little percent. But I would I would venture to say that, you know, at least 98%, maybe even more, is just having the correct mindset and learning to be situationally aware. If you get into a situation, knowing how to try to get yourself out before it even happens or not even get in that situation, and reacting to it is kind of your last option. Um, that can help for a lot. Because, I mean, as we are seeing, crime is skyrocketing, and... We're only into not even the first full year of Biden's term. Uh, as inflation rises, as you know, job rates keep going down, um, people lose their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. More lockdowns are inevitable, which more businesses are going to go under. As people are losing their job because they're refusing to comply with vaccine mandates, people are going to keep getting desperate and. I don't see a slowdown in crime happening anytime soon at all. Right. And, well, for example, in the city of Austin, um, the city council had also voted to defund the police by $150 million. So that might have a little something to do with it. I, I say let them completely defund the police. See how that works out for you. Then you really got to up your situational awareness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sucks for if you weren't supporting that and you're in that area. That kind of sucks to be you. But, again... If you were in those areas, you shouldn't be relying on the police anyways because, you know, like TJ always says, when seconds matter, the police are only minutes away. Right. They're they're going to show up after the fact. They're going to show up to try to solve the crime and figure out what happened. But ultimately, you're going to have to be the one to react. You're going to have to be the one in charge of your own – watch too many Pat McNamara videos. If you haven't watched Pat McNamara or where who he is, check T-Mac Inc. out on uh, – Instagram, look up Pat McMary. He's an amazing guy. One of the things he teaches is be your own personal security. And he's a former uh, CAG or Delta Force operator, uh, very old school guy. He's a firearms instructor, but he's real big into situational awareness and always better yourself and training, constantly training, constantly trying to get better. Uh, Lots of great tips coming from him, and that's one of the things he would really harp on is be your own personal security, be your own personal protection, because 
you don't want to have to rely on someone else. You want to be able to rely on your, yourself, and the cops are there to clean up the mess afterwards. Um, and it's a good mindset to have. And, I mean, again, I'm going to keep preaching this, and so is TJ, and we're going to keep hitting it over and over and over again until you're sick of hearing it. This is not going to get better anytime soon. Uh, things are going to keep getting worse. We live in interesting times where bad things happen, and there's no lack of bad people who want to do them. And in a day and age where they're being emboldened and defending yourself is being frowned upon and people are waxing up on crime, you know, you see all the smash and grabs in California going on right oh, now. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, they're not even waiting till night anymore. Broad daylight. You'll see guys go in, 20, 30 dudes smash up a store and empty the place out. And I mean... What do you do when you're caught up in that? There's, well, there's so many different situations there's now. A, there's a whole bunch. You're mentioning they've been emboldened. There's a whole bunch of videos of people who are sitting like at restaurants on the front yeah. sidewalk yeah. and being robbed. Yeah. Like that's happening in crazy high numbers in the nice neighborhoods of LA. There's some kind of scary videos. Like there's one of a woman who's uh, pushing a stroller up her uh, driveway and she's just about to close the gate. She's got a little gated area. Transitional period. Yep. And uh, some some guys are walking by, and then they stop, turn around, and they follow her up there, and they, they take her stuff. Luckily, they didn't do anything to her or her baby, but um, that, You yeah. never know, though. And that's what's terrifying about mm -hmm. it is, you know, too many people think, oh, I live in a nice area. That doesn't, that sort of thing doesn't happen here. You know, people think, you know, that happens, oh, it happens in the rougher areas of St. Louis or, you know, out in some of the rougher country areas, you might get that. But, you know, that, that doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen here in Chesterfield. This doesn't happen here in, you know, Ladue, Fallon, Wentzville, whatever. It happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you may not hear about it as much, but it happens everywhere. There are bad people everywhere you go. And guess what? Those bad people aren't always stupid. Sometimes they most definitely are, but sometimes they're smart criminals. And they know, I'm not going to go do crime in my own neighborhood. I'm going to go to the nicer areas. I'm going to go carjack somebody in Chesterfield. I'm going to go do a home invasion in O'Fallon or Wentzville where I know there's money and they're going to have nice stuff. I mean, sometimes you maybe should stop and think like a bad guy. You know, is this a situation that, you know, what what is... What is my soft point right now? Am I a hard target or a soft target? And I don't know if we've gone over that, and that's kind of not the direction I was thinking of going today, but that's something we can add is, you know, there's a, a difference between a soft target and a hard target. And hard target is it's just that. It's you taking steps, being proactive. Um, it can be as simple as sitting at a point in a restaurant where you have a clear advantage of the entire restaurant you know where all the exits and egresses are, all the entrances, you watch everyone who comes in, you watch people's hands, and you're aware of what's going on. You've made yourself a hard target. You're hard to take advantage of. But someone who is sitting outside at outside dining on the boardwalk with their back to the street and mm -hmm. their purse sitting on the ground next to them or behind them, that's a soft target. I'm going to lean over that rail that's two feet tall and doesn't really do anything snag your purse and run or you know it's in your lap i'm going to reach around i'm going to grab you by your hair yank you down and when you fall back i'm going to snag your purse and run you're a soft target and i mean i'm not going to go into every single scenario of soft target versus hard target but think you know when you're doing something in public am i a hard target right now am i making myself very approachable to do something bad to or am i making myself very difficult to commit crime to um, 
and just try to think like that. I was going to say, as a woman, I feel like you kind of automatically are are a soft target. It, it, you definitely have to try harder. Especially if you're harder. alone. Yeah. Like, um, a friend of mine was uh, walking her dog. She's a pit bull. It's a big dog. She was uh, walking her pit bull, and a guy came up and demanded. He, uh, she was just walking her dog on the sidewalk. This was in L.A. And um, <clears throat> he demanded her wallet or purse or something, and she didn't think he was serious, and she laughed at him. He had a hammer. And he hit her in the face with a hammer. Oh. Yeah, she's okay. She's wow. a strong girl, and she's doing great now. But I mean, sometimes I know you said try to think like a criminal. Sometimes that's hard because, like, that's not something anybody would. Or, I mean, you know, mm. not not something I would think of doing. Like, sure, here's an object. This works, but uh, I'll just hit somebody with it if I don't get what I want. But yeah. that's it's basic. But that's what people do. And sometimes you think, oh, I'm safe if I'm walking my dog. Or I'm safe, I'm in a group. I mean, yeah, a group's better, but I feel like you're just automatically a target as a woman, especially if you're by yourself or if you're distracted with your kids. That's huge. Like yeah. you were talking about, what was the wording you used for uh, transitional space? Yeah, transitional spaces. That's pretty much like every parking lot ever for a woman with her kids. Yes, and we'll uh, we'll take a break right now. We'll come back and talk more about that because that's that's an important thing. There's lots to talk about there. Uh, Got to pay the bills real quick, and we'll be right back. Am I the only one? And we are back after that quick break. You are listening to Shots Fired on Real Talk 93.3, the voice of freedom, and we were talking about. Uh, being a hard target versus a soft target in transitional spaces especially. And you hit the nail on the head. You're already usually assessed as a soft target as a female. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, too, uh, for me, I learned to try to think like a bad guy. And females with kids would be some of the easiest targets out there. Now, fall, women are way more likely to be much more ferocious and put up a fight when their kids are involved. Oh, I agree 100%. Uh, 100%. So there is that to take into consideration. That being said, women with kids are also preoccupied with their children. If I was a bad guy, and I'm going to tell people this so they're listening and know if there is any time to really watch yourself, in my mind, this is one of the most important ones where you are the softest target. When you are a female and you are grocery shopping or any type of shopping, and you are trying to get your kid in the vehicle mm-hmm. or get whatever you purchase, get your your stuff into your vehicle, that is a transitional space where you're going in and out of your vehicle. You are not paying remote attention to what's around you. You're usually having to deal with your kid, fighting you, getting buckled in their car seat or in the seat, um, and you're trying to put stuff away at the same time while you're trying to hold your cart from rolling down the aisle <laughs> all at the same time. And now you're supposed to watch what's going on around you. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, as I'm sure most parents would. Um, I don't have one correct answer in this situation. In my mind, what would make the most sense? Uh, step one would be to get your child in the vehicle. Then it's easier to put everything away. You're right there by the vehicle. One thing I will say, do not... Go start the vehicle first, let the vehicle run, and then put your kid in there because someone's going to run up and you have that chance of them snagging your vehicle with your kid in and taking off. Right. Um. Get, try to get your kids. I know better, easier said than done. I have an almost four-year-old. I know he's he's usually good with it, but I know it can be a pain. Get them to comply with you and try to make it as smooth as possible getting them in their car seat. Um. 
take a glance around. Look around. Are you in a good spot? Are you in a well-lit area? Try to make a habit of parking next to parking lot lamps, stuff like that, and closer to the front, especially if you have a kid where things are a little bit more visible. Look around you before you put them in. Just take a quick glance over your left, over your right. See what's going on around you. Sometimes you can catch somebody right then and there because if that's where you're going to get jumped, that's going to be the time. Especially if there's a sketchy-looking car right next to yours. Exactly. Like those sliding van doors, they can just pop right out. I hate those, even to this day, just because some of the scenario-based training I see was like, no, not today, man. Yeah, it's definitely easier when you have a kid in a car seat that's, you know, babies are supposed to be rear-facing. If you have a kid in a car seat that's facing forward, you can at least have your back to the door while you're kind of angling yourself. So you still have somewhat, at least in your peripheral vision, the direction somebody might come. But I always put my kid in the car first, and then I close the door, and then I open the back door, and then I lock all the doors. Yes. and then I put my, <laughs> and then I put my groceries in, and I'm one of the people. You guys can kill me. Um, I don't put my grocery cart back because I don't want to leave my kid alone in the car. I don't. That makes sense. Even if the door's locked, I don't care. You can label me an a hole. I just, mm-mm. I've never um, since I've had a kid. I've never, unless she's with me. Yeah. You know, um, I've never um, walked it back because I don't want to leave her alone. I mean, it it happens in seconds. Whatever, if it's the vehicle being stolen or her being stolen or. You know, it's just not worth it to me. No, and that is an (laughs) excellent point to bring up to the mothers out there. And there you go, guys. That's one where, you know what, is it, is it, I'm trying to figure out what word I can actually use on air. Is that maybe the not, not a nice person move to leave your cart? Who really cares? In the end, there's someone whose job is, and just think of his job security for the cart guy. That he's got one extra cart to go pick up. And you know what? If it comes down to leaving your cart and inconveniencing someone by having a cart sitting in the parking lot, but you're protecting yourself and your child, I'd say that's a fair trade-off. And, I mean, again, that is that is a time where you, doing things like that, you take a time where you are normally a soft target and you have now made yourself a hard target. As you're putting your groceries away in your trunk, always take a couple glances around. Also, this is a time you can use the windows in your car to watch for reflections. I don't know how many times where I've been in a compromising-ish position, and I know it, but I want to know what's going on behind me. I'll glance at the glass. You're walking around, and you ever get that weird feeling like someone's walking a little close behind you or following you, possibly? Walk by, and you can watch windows, glass, car windows, windshields, whatever. Catch reflections. Watch what people are doing. It's amazing. If you start catching reflections and using glass and mirrors to your advantage, store windows, car windows, all that stuff, you can see a lot of what's going on behind you at almost any given time and not even scream that you're assessing the situation looking around. Windows and mirrors are your friends. Use that to track what's behind you. Um, I don't know how to explain it other than if something odd is going to happen, most chances are you you get that sixth sense, that weird feel on the back of your neck. You can usually sense it. Somebody's doing something bad stands out for the most part. Not every time, but it'll stand out. Something will seem off. Um, Usually if somebody's about to do something like that, their posture has changed. They're tense as well. They know they're about to do something risky that they can get them in trouble and that might go bad. So they're tense. Their posture, their body language, all that has changed typically. You can't rely on that. But, you know, 
look for the person who stands out, who looks awkward or uncomfortable and out of the norm with everybody else. There's someone in your parking lot and everybody's ignoring you and you get that one person who keeps eyeballing you. It's either the dude you knew from high school or something who's trying to see if they recognize you (laughs) or somebody's up to no good. And I always like making people uncomfortable with eye contact, too, in random places oh, for the fact that, no. yeah, I see you. What's up? Oh, you mean addressing people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, Just, I, do the, I do the exact same thing. I don't like to verbally because I've had it go weird numerous times. So I'll just I'll use eye contact. And it's amazing how many people are uncomfortable these days with eye contact, too. No, that's a really good one because the I see you seeing me yep. is a good, hey, I'm aware that you're there. E- even if it's a I see you. And yeah. I, I don't know that I'm going to stop anything, but I see you. I know what you look yeah. like, so I can give a description. And, and sometimes that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. we got to take another break, guys. We will be back after this short break. We're going to talk about bullets and ammunition things. Take it easy. We are back. Hope you guys are having a nice Saturday. You are listening to Shots Fired on Real Talk 93.3. I am your temporary host, filling in for uh, Sig Glock and Colt. And joining me today is Crystal. Woo-woo. We are continuing on talking about, you know, we, we just wrapped up situational awareness, transitional spaces, but kind of in a different way than we've approached it before in consideration to how to make yourself a hard target versus a soft target. And now we're finally getting to what we were originally going to talk about, uh, ammunition and bullets, uh, primarily concentrating on having the right tool for the right job uh there is if you're not aware if you are a new shooter uh not a shooter at all but wanting to get into it or have been for a while but really haven't dove into ballistics and different types of rounds um just like any tool which a firearm is a tool and it is for multiple different jobs uh there is different ammunition for different jobs and it is imperative, and in my mind, very much, very much skipped over something huge. Uh, if you have the wrong type of ammunition in your home defense gun, in your conceal and carry gun, uh, there's a thing called overpenetration. Overpenetration is just that. When the round is not properly suited for what you're doing, and it goes through the target of what you're shooting and continues on. Remember, Every round fired out of your gun, you are accountable for. It doesn't matter what's happening. If you're in the middle of a gunfight with five attackers, you are still accountable for every single round. If that round punches through the threat and continues on into an 87-year-old woman down the street or your neighbor's house or your cousin's BMW, you're liable for all that. That's on you. <laughs> so <And> random. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know a situation. You know, would I feel bad if I put a round through a bad guy into somebody's car? Probably not, (laughs) but if it went through a target and into another person or to someone's house, that would terrify me, and that is why it is so important, especially in your carry gun and your home defense guns, to be educated on the proper uses of what ammo does what and having the right ammunition because it is important because... You know, when I worked retail at Tactical Chisnit, which if you guys are just tuning in, um, that's where we're from, is myself and Sig Glock and Colt run the Tactical Chisnit over in St. Peter's, as well as the website where we have all of your tactical shooting needs. And uh, that's one of the things we've concentrated a lot on and learned a lot on is ballistics and having the right tool and right ammunition for the right job. And one thing I would see on the retail floor is the amount of people in their carry gun who would have FMJ. 
full metal jacketed ammunition. Fantastic cheap training rounds, and that's the problem is people get it because it's cheaper. Granted, right now, none of it's cheap, but you know, it's generally fifteen to eighteen dollars for a box of fifty. Whereas defense ammunition is typically twenty to thirty dollars for a box of twenty or twenty-five. It is triple, quadruple the price of training ammo. People don't like it, so sometimes they'll just carry full metal jacketed ammo. The problem with that is when you are carrying FMJ or using that for your home defense, and again, full metal jacket, it is ball ammo. It is a lead bullet with some sort of bimetal or copper jacket, and it hits. it's meant to shoot paper and steel. It doesn't do any real damage. If you shoot soft tissue or a threat with it, it is generally known to just go in and out. Minimal wound, doesn't really do much, doesn't create a wound channel, doesn't fragment, doesn't come apart. It goes in and out. That's all it was ever meant to do. Problem being with that is the out part. It goes in, it does not destroy anything, it does not do much damage at all, but it keeps going. It will keep going through walls. It will go through car doors. It will then go into something else. Once that round goes through your target, you are still responsible for it. And the last thing you want to do is be carrying full metal jacket or FMJ in your carry gun and your home defense gun, get into a shooting situation, and your round went through the threat and into the person behind them, into the cashier at that bank that's being robbed. Or there's an active shooter, you've engaged the threat, but it went through the threat and into the lady at the grocery store or the mall or wherever you're at. Or, God forbid... You're in a home defense situation. Guy comes in with a weapon. He's robbing your house. He's, you know, stealing stuff in the middle of the night. You confront him. He comes at you. You engage. And again, we've talked about knowing your house, having a plan, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning, you don't think straight. You just engage the target. Good rounds on target, but you were using FMJ. Rounds went through the threat and into your kid's bedroom mm. or into your neighbor's house. That, that is not a risk you want to take. That is not a thing you want to have happen. So what do you do then? Now you know. Don't use FMJ. That's where things like um, we sell Fort Scott. They're copper spun bullets. They're specifically made to work just like match ammunition. They're extremely accurate. But as soon as they hit soft tissue, they begin to tumble end over end. They bounce around, go a billion different directions, and tear everything to shreds. They also do that as soon as they hit something hard, is they start going crazy. It dumps its energy, it redirects to a different route, and it stops. So generally, if you're shooting soft tissue, it's going to stay in the body, or if it exits, it's going to exit with not much energy left in it. So so when people say you want something with stopping power, as it relates to not the type of gun, but the type of bullet... Yeah, and is this for, a good option? for the most part, stopping power is a myth. That's somehow translated into you need the biggest bullet possible, and that's right. where I carry a forty-five is right. because of the stopping power. Stopping power is a myth. It's it's basics physics. It's energy transference. You want to transfer the most energy into the target as effectively as possible. You want to create the most devastating wound channel. Yes, I know that 9 mil, which is, I think, 0.38 or 0.37, is smaller than a 45 ACP, which is 0.45 in diameter. However, though, there is a high, higher muzzle velocity. There is a usually 115 grain or 124 grain. There is still a high transference of energy, but 
I also like mag capacity because, as we've talked about, more often than not, criminals act in pairs or multiples. Hmm. And that seven, that eight rounds from 45 ACP might not be enough. And just because you have a 45 doesn't mean one and done. All you need is one round. So not the you're case saying at all. Six to eight might not be enough. I'm saying size doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Um, no, and correct. Six to eight rounds is not always enough. Is there times it is? Absolutely. There, There is times where a threat has presented itself. Someone has engaged a threat with one round, and one round is all it takes. Um, I'm not going to use names or situations, but I was in a situation overseas where I watched my buddy put 15 rounds of 5.56 five, into a guy at 60 yards. And uh, he zippered him from pelvic girdle all the way to sternum. They were beautifully placed shots. Uh, He maybe dropped one or two, but out of about 15 rounds, I'd say three-quarters of them hit. Uh, You could see visibly the impact of every single round. And the guy get up. Oh, my gosh. He was hurting. Uh, He definitely wasn't doing too hot, but he was still in the fight. It did not stop the threat. Um, A 10-round burst from an M240 Bravo in 308 stopped the threat uh, immediately. But again, because we're limited by the Geneva Conventions, we did not have the right ammunition for the job, unfortunately. And more often than not, in combat situations, from that's where my experience draws from, uh, it takes a lot of rounds to put people down. Um, right, and that's even if you hit them. I yeah. Heard, I heard a statistic the other day that uh, it was some crazy high was like 90% of people don't hit a person who's within 15 feet. And that statistic included police officers. No, uh, I'm just going to say cops for the most part are usually some of the worst shots on the planet. Oh, that's um, not good. No, uh, you would think something that requires you, requires you to carry a firearm you'd want to be proficient at. But there's a lot of officers that do zero training with their firearm other than their once a year qualification. That's it. Um, I've, I've personally shot with some where at seven yards, their target looked like a shotgun hit it. It's like, wow, that uh, would you use a shotgun at 50 yards? No, no, that was my nine at, at five. Hmm. That's Thought about being a firefighter, maybe? <laughs> oh. And I mean, it, it is what it is. And again, having, having the right tools for the job, uh, in a combat situation, being stuck with ball 55 grain 556, five, or even worse, uh, M855, which is a white armor penetrator. Everybody says it's armor piercing. M855, or quote unquote green tip ammo, is not armor piercing. It's a light armor piercing. It's made to do thin skin vehicles, stuff like that, or defeat body armor. It is not a true armor piercing. I don't know the exact nomenclature because it's been a minute, but usually armor piercing 556 five, is a uh, black tip and is almost impossible to get. That is the true armor piercing. Is this, and where does hollow point fit into this realm? Hollow point, and see, th- this honestly could be two two different shows on ballistics. It can get boring, but hollow points are a great thing as well. So hollow points use a mixture of fragmentation and hydraulic pressure. Round goes in, as soon as it penetrates and hits soft tissue, it fills that cavity, that hollow point of the round, um, kind of gross, but bear with me. I'll try to make it as ear-friendly as possible. Uh, creates hydraulic pressure, and between that and they expand at certain velocities. So when it hits its target, that round comes apart. It expands. It usually doubles in size, and it starts to tear itself apart. It usually comes in uh, like leaf pattern, and it rips up 
or petals, and it tears everything to shreds. It causes a devastating wound channel, um, and you know goes in a very small hole, leaves a very big hole, and takes as much inside out as possible. Um, some downfalls of Hollow Point, though. Summertime, no worries with Hollow Point at all. Wintertime. Uh, there was an issue in New York a few years back where there was a criminal. He presented a weapon. Police engaged him with 9mm hollow points, fired 18 rounds. Surprisingly enough, I believe almost all 18 rounds hit the guy. Wow. Not a single round penetrated and did anything to him. Wait, what? How does yes. that happen? I know that sounds absolutely insane or like he had body armor or something. Uh, he didn't. It was winter in New York, and he had on a thick hoodie with a massive, thick, heavy-duty uh leather jacket and the hollow point filled up with material from his clothing it didn't expand and it didn't penetrate that is so interesting yeah so it would that be a safe quote-unquote choice for uh home defense it would but again not in winter so even weather comes into play with what ammo to use um hornady critical duty critical defense and some of the XTP series, uh, and a lot of companies are doing this, where they will put a, a polymer ball inside the hollow point or a polymer tip so it gets through and it penetrates and then blows out as soon as it hits soft tissue and lets the hollow point do its job. But it's that little bit extra that gets through leather jackets, clothing, etc. Um, so it doesn't, you know, you don't get denim or leather filling up that cavity. It's got that polymer tip in there that once it hits its velocity and penetrates, it melts and starts tearing itself up and then lets the hull point do its job. Or again, it's why we like the Fort Scott ammo is clothing doesn't matter, you know, it it penetrates and then as soon as it hits soft tissue, it starts to tumble. Um, but hollow points, that can be an issue too, is if somebody's wearing heavy duty clothing, won't always penetrate and you have to be mindful of that. We, uh, we are out of time on this last segment. We're going to take one more break, and we'll wrap up with talking about ammunition and what to have for the right job. We'll be right back after this break. We'll be right and we are back with our last and final segment here at Shots Fired. And we're talking about bullets and things that go bang and ballistic-y things. Um, that was eloquent. It was. It's very sciencey <laughs> terms here, ballisticy things. What What's some questions you might have when it comes to uh, bullets? Um, well, okay. So, how do people? You're mentioning you have to find out the right the right bullet for what you want it for. Yeah. For the job. Um, how do people find a good go between between uh, this is going to go through every single wall for uh, however many mile radius, and this isn't. This is going to not not twenty two basically. Uh, a big one is a lot of reading. Um, learning the basics of ballistics helped. Um, honestly, there is so much material regarding this on YouTube. That is probably the go-to place. Uh, if you look up carry ammo tests or home defense ammo tests on YouTube, um, they'll. I've seen people build up mock like living rooms. They'll have ballistic torso gel dummies and entire pigs wrapped in denim for testing oh, i guess uh pig's tissue is the closest resembling human tissue weirdly i've heard that before <laughs> yeah so for ballistic testing they'll use hogs for 
seeing what rounds do. So they have all this research of, you know, ballistic gel dummies and ballistic gel blocks and pigs and plywood and stuff and how different rounds are affected by that. Honestly, it's watching a lot of those videos and making educated choices uh, along with reading and having a basic, basic, very basic understanding of ballistics. Um, any of our guys on the retail floor at Tactical Shiznit in St. Peter's off the service road would be more than glad to help you and guide you and suggest what ammo to have. But, I mean, for anybody who's hunters out there, you know that you don't use, I would hope, your standard practice ammo for hunting. And just like hunting ammo is different from regular training ammo, so is defense ammo. Um Home defense and conceal and carry ammo can be similar or mixed. My only hesitations with that is, you know, you have a bigger risk and worry of overpenetration, especially, you know, uh, some subdivisions houses these days. You can stand, touch your house and not even reach all the way out to touch your neighbor's house. So, I mean, overpenetration is a major issue. It should be outside in the real world for your everyday carry as well because there's rarely anywhere I go where there's not people in every direction. Um... But I feel like you have a little bit more flexibility to get away. Whereas if you're in your home, I am more likely to stay and fight in my home, obviously, than I would out in public. My main concern out in public if something happens is how fast can I get out of there. I am not going to stick around and get into a gun battle. The only time I would ever use my firearm in a CCW situation would be if that was the only way I or my family was going to come out alive. That is it. That is the last thing. I would go hands-on first, a knife, something. Firing my weapon is literally, I have no other choice. That's it. If I'm in my house, that jumps up a few things. I'm not going to engage someone with my hands in my house. You are in my house. You are in my domain. You are in my world. You are in my private area where I house my family. And if you step in that... There is no escalation of force. I'm I'm going straight to stop the threat and get you out of there, and that's it. And uh, because every, almost everyone, if you're out in the country, you're kind of lucky there, and you don't have to worry about neighbors. But almost everybody has to worry about neighbors. And overpenetration is a real issue there as well. Um, I know TJ used to like to say, I just talked to him about this m this morning on the phone. Uh, he always liked to say, use a pistol, pistol caliber carbine type setup because they're so easy to manipulate, low recoil, they're great for home defense. Uh, he just got done doing some of the same training I did a few weeks ago with Daniel Horner, a world-renowned shooter and Special Forces firearms instructor, and he argued against it that uh, a 9mm carbine, because the high velocity, because the way the 9mm works, is more likely to have over-penetration than, say, an AR-15. And I know there's a lot of old-fashioned people out there who are like, oh, my God, you are really talking about using an AR-15 for home defense. I am. Uh, there's a reason that the military and special forces uses ARs and short barrel rifles for CQB because they're great at it. And with the right ammunition, an AR can be an excellent home defense setup. What is CQB? Close quarters combat. Sorry. So uh, a little more of my background. I try not to go into it too much because it – and my mind doesn't matter all that much. Uh, the last year I was in the Marine Corps, I was an urban warfare CQB instructor. I taught about 8,000 different Marines and sailors, uh, CQB tactics and urban warfare, uh, room clearing, personnel searches, vehicle searches. That's kind of my my passion is room clearing, taking down buildings. So home defense translates directly to that. Uh, if we want to get into a whole episode of 
uh, pieing off rooms and how to properly breach doors and go in. Yes, That's, please. I get very excited <laughs> over that. Very, very passionate about that. But um, rounds are important with that, too. Uh, rounds do weird things inside houses and inside buildings. Uh, rounds will travel walls. Uh, concrete walls, they'll fall. You want to stay off walls. Walls are bad. Bullets will skip down walls. Walls are your enemy. That's super weird. You just imagine. I don't know. I feel like if you Bad don't have personal experience, you just, what you know, quote unquote, is what you see in movies. I'm, don't, don't hate I'm going to get that. yelled at for this one because <laughs> my mom doesn't even know this. I have been shot at a lot. Oh. So like, I'm, I'm very, this is weird to say, I'm very lucky in that. And I, I've learned a lot about what bullets do and what happens to rounds and gunfights because I've been shot at quite a bit. And weird things happen. Bullets do not do what people think. Am, am I saying that the whole JFK magic bullet thing? No. But bullets do some weird stuff. Stay off of walls. I'll say that. But uh, if you, if you want to use an AR for home defense, they are a viable setup. Especially, I have a deep passion for 300 Blackout. It's a heavy bullet uh, because it's a big, fat, slow-moving bullet. It's a lot less likely to have over-penetration issues. Uh, also, I shoot suppressed, and it's one of the quietest setups with the suppressor out there. Um, specifically designed for SOCOM, for Special Forces, for room clearing and close quarters combat because of how effective it is. Uh, in short, it's a 308 bullet shoved in a 5.56 case. Um, Guerrilla Manufacturing, Fort Scott, uh, and Lehigh Defense are probably some of the best for rifle, AR platform, home defense ammo you can buy. Uh, controlled Chaos, series like that. They specifically have manufactured ammo for home defense for the AR platform. Check it out if that's kind of the route you're thinking of going or you'd like to use your AR. I'm very comfortable with an AR. I am more proficient in an AR than I am a handgun, so I would feel more comfortable going to an AR over a handgun, especially because of my room clearing experience. I have admittedly not really practiced clearing rooms with a handgun, um, whereas rifle... I can do that in my sleep. You're kind of selling me here. Now I need an AR for home defense. Uh, we can do all kinds of stuff. We can work with you on that and teach you all kinds of cool high-speed ninja stuff. So when you are uh, in tactical shiznit and you're looking for ammo, it doesn't say great for room clearing on the box. No, you'll see <laughs> stuff that will say, you know, home defense, but that's about it. And the best thing is talk to the employees. Uh, we ask a lot of questions at Bass Pro or Cabela's. No offense, they're probably not going to know. You, you, and you might get bad information. Uh, YouTube is a great place. And just with that, we are once again out of time. We may have to, I thought this would be more than enough uh, time to talk about rounds and ammo, but apparently not. We'll try to pick this up on the next show with uh, TJ and get his input on ammo as well, because I know he's got a lot in it. But Guys, make sure you are carrying the right ammo for the right job in your EDC and in your home defense setup. I will leave you with that. Make yourself a hard target, not a soft target, and always keep your head on a swivel. With that, stay frosty. This is Shots Fired. We will see you guys next Saturday. Have a great weekend. I love my country. I love my guns. I love my family. I love the way it is now. And anybody that tries to change it has to come through me. That should be all of our attitude. This is America. And a country boy's good enough for me, son.